Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. He's a secret wrapped up in an enigma and smothered in secret sauce. Who is he? Well, Mike Peterson from Vaping in the Mic describes him as the onion chef of Twitter. Vapors.org.uk says his gritty, distinctive style is ever-readable, and THR advocate Ivana Aoi exclaims, Bless your crankiness, Kevin Crowley. And joining us today for a special edition of RegWatch is the man himself, Kevin Crowley, the founder of the most comprehensive pro-vaping resource on the web, vapinglinks.blog, the sharp edge on the Vaping IT Twitter account, and the man whose work advocating for vaping is so impactful, researchers mistake him as a bot. Kevin, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, oh, it's very good. Much. It's a conversation long overdue, my friend, is how I say it. I've got a, before we get started on the interview, um, I've asked our uh, senior producer and legal analyst, Cindy Schmidt, to lay out a few key details about why your work is so important, specifically for new vapors joining the fight. Just give me a second here to grab that to make sure it's queued up. And let's have a look. Okay, that's just what I was worried about. General and various anti-tobacco groups, um, not just with outrage and anger. I think Kevin Crowley knows where the bodies are buried, and um, you know he knows all the facts. Um, on Twitter, he responds to posts by the Surgeon General and various anti-tobacco groups, um, not just with outrage and anger, like uh, like many of us do, but he responds with facts and uh, and really backs up his statements. So does he fight toe-to-toe? -to -toe? Is he always right there uh, with the response? Right. So Mike Peterson from Vaping in the Mic described him as the onion chef of Twitter. And, and that was, I think, just a, a perfect way to describe it. Um, for example, um, in September, that's when I started following him, the Surgeon General was posting a lot of, you know, tweets about vaping and they were all anti-vaping. And, um, you know, uh, Kevin was coming back with tweets with charts, you know, showing spirometry lung function tests side by side, you know, you know, the actual real thing here, you know, here was when I was smoking, here's when I'm vaping, um, you know, circulating comprehensive lists of anti-tobacco organizations, um, digging up historical documents from 10, 20, 30 years ago, talking about what happened with anti-tobacco and telling the story. And that was so important for me as someone who is new to this fight. So you've helped a lot of people, Kevin, uh, get into the fight. Um, you know, you know, and while doing it, you've become well, you know infamous. You know, on Twitter, and you're known throughout the vaping community as an award-winning uh, advocate for tobacco harm reduction. Walk us through to how you got here. I, it's a weird thing for everybody. I'm sure it's a different story for everybody. But uh, I was told I couldn't smoke in a work truck. I decided when I went and got tobacco that I was going to try one of those thingies. She said, no, come back when I get the better ones in a couple weeks. I did. It was 18 milligram. It was called a Crave, a Sigalike. Um, I tried it that night and the next morning I was off that week and I, I grabbed uh, two kits, one for my wife and one for myself. Never smoked again. Um, it took me about a year and a half to realize who David Gorlitz was. I found his blog and a buddy and I started talking one night and he was asking questions because I, I wanted to make sure it was working for me. Six months was plenty. And I said, Hey, by the way, I quit smoking. How'd you do that? So he asked me a few questions. I created a survey 
I don't know how to create a survey, Brent. I've never created one. Um, and Vapors UK picked it up. Uh, they were actually kind of new. I didn't know that. I thought they were well-established. Is that the uh, Vaping Truth survey? Yes. Yes, sir. Um, 14 questions, 7,238 people took it. Uh, 72 countries. Yes, sir. And um, I didn't sleep for about 30 days. It was it was about 30 days because every day I'd find more answers just like mine. And, and literally, I wanted consumers. Now, remember, I don't do surveys. I'm not a survey guy. I didn't know this was, was all anecdotal. I didn't even know what the freaking word was. Um, so I got, I got pointed at for being anecdotal, but there was a lot of information that still is coming up where uh, uh, Charles uh, Gardner just put something out on his, his Twitter line about 42% quit in a day. Well, in my results from 2015, 42% said they quit, I think, in, in a day or within a week. So it's, it's familiar, it's similar, and it, and it keeps telling the same thing. I may have titled it differently and changed a couple questions. Um, there were a lot of people who didn't like what I did. I told them eventually after my feelings were hurt that they could do it better. Um, and listening to Cindy a minute ago makes me feel better because I didn't realize how big an impact that that is sometimes to people who think, oh, he's just running his mouth. But finding my way from 2014 in December until now has, has kind of changed the way I tweet. I hated tobacco at one point. You know, it's tobacco companies are bad. Um, smokers are bad because, you know, I was realized, huh, it's not really the way to. So there's, there's been some change in me. Could you get a little closer to your mic there for, for yes, us? Sir. Yeah, just because yes, it's it's not really your issue as much as, you know, the digital world puts governors yeah. on, on audio. So everybody sounds like a meandering, placid, <laughs> doe-eyed. And I'm not going to put the name to, to it. So, um, okay. So let, let's, let me, let's get into this stuff here right, right, right now. First of all, you just said that people were mad at you about this uh, survey. Who? Oh, yeah. Uh, other vapors, we'll just say other vapors. Um, I joined every group I could to try to get more people to take the survey. Um, I know I was, I was background checked a couple of times where it seemed like I was, if it wasn't. Um, they thought I was somebody from the tobacco field or anti-tobacco rather. And, and eventually I understood that and I, I didn't care so much. I thought it was weird that people were against something that I was trying to do to help other consumers understand what I was experiencing. Um, some wanted their name on it, which I thought was kind of amusing, but I didn't know all the games and I didn't know the ins and outs of the, the vaping community that I was actually becoming a part of. I, I, I didn't know there was one. So, so okay. Um, so are, are you telling me then that based, you know, you are one of the legends uh, in tobacco harm reduction. And are you telling me that vapors tend to, you know, bite at each other's ankles? Is that what you're saying? They like the question. <laughs> By all means. And so do I. So do I. I'm not against it, but within reason. But who's who's this Kevin guy and what is he doing on our timeline was, I think, the the, the gist of it. You know, and where did he come from and why haven't we heard of I, I didn't know I was trying to be important. Really, really wasn't trying to. Be. 
that. I was just trying to get the message of a less harmful alternative out to people who were like me, dead set against it or on the fence or just didn't want to try. So I'm, I'm glad I did what I did and, and it's gone a long ways, you know, for me. So let's, let's take a look at, you know, the kind of the properties that you've got, you know, to use a term like this and um, just head over to uh, our show page here on RegWatch uh, for today's interview. And it's vaping links and vaping links and more. It's the vaping links dot blog. And so let's just head over to it. And, you know, quite frankly, I mean, it's one of those sites where that if you don't know that it exists and you find your way to it, you can really lose, you know, a couple of weeks of your time in here, uh, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. And um, so how would you describe what this blog is? Uh, well, you said it better than I could. You, you can get lost in here. It's, it's information on what I was trying to find when I took, you know, my four minutes on e-cigarette forum. And then I dove into Dave's blog and I found out a lot more than I ever wanted to. Mm. Um, and I'm glad I did, but it's, it's literally everything I can think of. And then some, uh, a billion lives, Dave himself, the research on the left uh, wall, um, some quotes of my own, uh, the, the news thing is literally a ripoff of vapors.org. Mm. UK rather. Sure. Um, who I also do on Wednesdays. I do theirs for them. And they're a great, they're a great resource. Great, huge resource. I steal half of the stuff from them anyway, you know, um, and sometimes they get one from me. So but, you're the most comprehensive website, except for the one that you steal from. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> as, as a consumer, there's, there's obviously more, more. Sure. Totally. Than Absolutely. So is um, part of the is part of the idea here is to catch people that you know are coming into the issues for the first time, or is it a mixture of both? It's it is a mixture of both. I can't I can't lie about that. I, I would rather uh, have someone question me and and say, well, I can't find this, and then I can probably find more than like I don't get a whole lot of that. Once in a great while, I do get an email saying, hey, I didn't know this. Thank you. You know so. At, well, perfect. So let me ask you this. Now, hardcore, straight up, I'd like to know, is there a war on vaping? Yes or no? Yes. Who's the enemy? Who's the enemy? Uh, to some extent, ourselves. <laughs> Definitely pharma. Um, How so on pharma? Pharmaceuticals, I think, want the technology to use for other reasons. Um, and you can go down a rabbit hole with that, like Paul Demar did from Australia with me. But their their ability to license and register this stuff is probably easier in, in financial and other terms. They already know the, the game. Tobacco companies are similar. They know the game. I don't consider tobacco companies like once did the enemy. First of all, I smoked. I chose to, to, to smoke those cigarettes. They're trying to make money as a business. Pharma, on the other hand, I think wants to roll. It's quicker for them to walk in and, and get something through the So I'm, 
Uh, some of our uh, viewers are just saying that they're having a hard time hearing you. Um, and I wanted to make sure I address that for everybody. This is digital yep. stuff. So we've got him cranked um, into our production suite. I could turn him up from our Skype box, but then we're going to get all those little zit, 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 zits that happen um, when, when it's, those are like digital clipping sounds. So it's really quite funny uh, with the digital stuff here. If, if I had you as analog video coming in, we could do a different job, but you know, so much has gone digital now and we don't really have a way around that. So yeah. maybe if you could speak up a little bit, that might be great. Yep. Um, that'd be good. Yeah, then that's good. And as you do that, I will start hearing the zits happening. And for our audience, I will uh, turn that down. That's the thing. I'm gonna have to turn him down to get rid of the zits. So it's just, you know, as I've said to everybody, audio is a nightmare. And as you all know, this year, we've done two uh, full redos of our studio. Um, this last one was about twenty-five dollars to $28,000 in gear. Trying to fix audio is one of the issues. So People want to, you know, help, you know, donate. Maybe we can get a full-time audio guy in here that will help and everything else. Otherwise, we're all, uh, uh, we're all a slave or a prisoner to the bad audio. So it's crazy. So all right. So let 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 let's get let's get in this because you know people when they talk you know war on vaping and they talk is there an enemy and stuff you know they get a little bit you know they qualify it a bit and this mm -hmm. and that. But I mean, how could you possibly um, not see that FDA spends about a half a billion dollars a year on advertising right. for, for the real cost? Half a billion, something mm -hmm. like that. It's crazy. And then, you know, Bloomberg is tossing 160, that kind of thing at it. Then you've got what Truth Initiative gets, you know, through their, yep. the MSA, you know, blood money, um, you know, pack that they've got, which we will talk about in depth in a minute. So, I mean, we're talking a lot of money here is spent to crush uh, vaping. Yes. So, I mean, this yes. is a war and there is an enemy. Oh, absolutely. The, the, I call them nonprofit political front groups, uh, truth, tobacco, free kids, et cetera, et cetera. Then the government themselves. So when they get the funding and they say, well, this isn't as good and we don't like it because of flavors, because of children, they're, they're creating the war for themselves and they, they like it, obviously. That's their goal, in my opinion. So pharma wants the technology. The government itself collects money from cigarette sales, and then the funding goes out to the, the anti-groups. So mm. it's, it's, a, it's a coup, you know, if you will, in a way. So there's a, um, there's a very famous um, American philosopher. He's actually considered to be the first original American philosopher because even the founders, of course, you know, uh, were impacted so much by um, the Enlightenment and the thinking in Europe and stuff. So the, kind of the very first American philosopher is William James. And um, he is, uh, he's famous for pragmatism. And pragmatism is an actual philosophy. And it's, an, it's uniquely American, though it shares, shares some stuff um, with German philosophy. But anyhow, it is um, the ends justify the means. That's what yeah. pragmatism is. And so... The ends justify the means seems to, to drive the entire administrative state. And certainly when it comes to issues of better safe than sorry and their approach yeah. to vaping. Yeah. It's, it's not science-based. If this were science-based, we wouldn't be here. That's, that's part of an amazing moment for me from showing that 2014-15 survey to now is, is I, I still can't believe I'm here. 
I still can't believe we're talking about this. It's ridiculous. So yeah, the means to an end is them ending us, you know, and that's that's not funny. And for the most part, that's not going to happen one way or the other, whether it's black market or legal, in my opinion. So there's a bunch of different ways in which people describe why they think this is happening. And you just mentioned pharma. What else explains it? it on the hate side, uh, it's gaslighting, in my opinion, is, is one way to look at it. Once, once they say, once somebody says, well, this is bad, you know, we, we burn these, these tanks up to 5,000 degrees and they can catch fire, the media just takes it and rolls with it because it, it sells copy. It sells whatever it does on the internet, the, the hits or the, the algorithms just go for it. And they can't, they can't tell me they're not, they're not going to answer the question, but they can't tell me they're not. There's no way in a court of law, you can tell me that they're telling the truth all the way. They will manipulate the, the data and they'll cherry pick the data and they'll make it what they want it to say. And then it'll take three weeks after the fact or six months after the fact, Dr. Farsalinos or somebody else looks at the data or data, whichever way you guys call it, and says, no, wait a minute, they lied or they, they, they forgot to tell us this part. You know, they didn't say that they put these things without a regulation on the, on the device to set it on fire. So, yeah, it can set on fire. Of course they can, you know, but you have to take that into consideration as to how they did it. When they take a regulator off, anything will catch on fire. So is, I mean, would you say then it's, it, you know, it's misingenuous or disingenuous science and disingenuous reporting, or is it malicious? I think it's both. It depends on who's reporting it and who's telling the story, I guess. <laughs> if, so, you, if you, you know, put your finger to my ear and say, hey, this is that, and by the end of the line, it's something else completely, yeah, you know, so... If tobacco free kids says with 50 states and there's, you know, 300 sub state sub uh, organizations within that, they're all doing the same thing on Twitter. Every one of them, you know, the one in Dayton, Ohio is doing it just as quickly as Vancouver, Canada will. As long as they got the email, that's what we're going with today. Vaping is sad, dangerous kids, flavors, boom, boom, boom. And they annihilate us. They literally if you want a war term, they annihilate us, you know, and then we're grabbing our butts going, wait a minute, this isn't true. So, and then we end up on a Twitter war, you know? <laughs> well, and, and I'm interested in, in, in that. So let me ask you kind of a two part question to, to get into that. One is, so it sounds like that when you're saying annihilate, it's annihilate, it's, it's annihilate, then burn all the bodies and then salt the earth and then, you know, probably put some landmines and a few spikes just to make sure that like they it's not just annihilate. It is they they seek to destroy and yeah. destroy any fertile ground. What we say on RegWatch is that they've destroyed the virtues of vaping. I mean, vaping had just started gaining real ground in uh, in the virtues of vaping with the public and by. Even even in the epidemic at the start in 2018, there was, there was still some battle there for sure. But by the time E-Valley hit, E-Valley was just absolutely just killed it. If you talk about the virtues of vaping, you can get laughed out of the room. Right, right. E-Valley leveled us. And, and, and again, they're lying, and we know they're lying. They knew in August 
for a couple tests that they did in New York, they told the FDA, according to them, they told the FDA their studies did not show any nicotine. And then in, in September or October, they're passing out awards for finding it in, in that time. So why are they trying to, to annihilate that? Why are they trying to make it look as if they've tried really hard? And then COVID took over and, and I don't know how buried vaping really is at this point from that, but it's, it's not good. No, it's not good. And I've just got just, you know, we'll see our general usual articles that we throw up here beside yep. uh, people. Because it's astonishing to us um, the level of misinformation. CDC is the one that invents uh, the definitions for these kinds of things. And for four years, their definitions of an electronic nicotine delivery system was pretty clear. Did not include cannabis. And then all yep. of a sudden, the definition got wonky. It just vaping. And, and they killed, in my opinion, that's my opinion only, they killed people because they misinformed people twice. Once on the device and then twice on the, the delivery system that they were using. Now, would those people have still used them? Possibly, I understand that, but they were, they were playing around with the wording so much that it's, it's a nicotine device is what everybody thought it was, including my own friends. I had, I had multiple emails. My son uses dabs. I gave him a, a ration of, of talking to like a parent would at 21 and said, look, if you're playing around with this stuff, don't take anything you don't you know, know the source of because this is not funny. You know, mm -hmm. He doesn't vape. He smokes cigarettes. So that's fine. But when you're playing with this stuff, they're, it's killing people and they're lying. So do not do not think that you shouldn't question i want you to question everything i've just uh, paused uh, this one particular new york times headline which you can just see there vaping illnesses climb upward nearing 1300 with 29 deaths the cause of the outbreak is still unknown and the only advice official health officials can offer so far is to avoid vaping right and i believe this was in october obviously there was already 29 deaths it might even be in november and so yeah. this, this particular one is long after the FDA had come out on October 4th and said, backed off and said, wait a minute, <laughs> we're not playing yep. a part of this one, right? And, right. Um, yeah. you know, I may, we've been making an argument, and we'll jump around here on some topics, and hopefully our audience will be okay with that, because I'm yeah. very interested in your opinion on this, because we feel that no matter what, right, that Evali, the vaping-related lung illness, even if there was nothing connected to COVID, nothing at all done, it still exercised the muscle that CDC has to lie and obfuscate about important things to people's health that, that directly relates to their ability to make choices about how to reduce harm. So the CDC exercised their muscle of bad science, of their propaganda, through their direct PR arm into mainstream media, and then drove mainstream media for five months of daily coverage of new cases and new deaths, new cases right. and new deaths, and then literally rolled straight into COVID, new cases, new deaths, new cases, yep. new deaths, better safe than sorry. We have to lock down the world. Again, the same precautionary, the same, the, the exact muscle, even in the rationale <laughs> yes. was exercised in COVID. So you don't need to be a conspiracy theorist to go, well, maybe if the CDC didn't have this ability to 
uh, regulate tobacco and nicotine in this way would at least would have left that off for them to have exercised their totalitarian muscles like that. And let's not forget that based on what the CDC did, the Democratic governors in September, right after Labor Day, came to bear with their reviews of their own legislation to see what public health legislation do we have would allow us to remove liberty from our citizens. And it's those same pieces of legislation that six months, five months later, they used to lock people down. So if, if the vaping issue had not been at all there, you could say, well, would that muscle have been so exercised for COVID? I, I think they would have tried to continue the exercise, which is a, a great way to put that. Their their ability to convince the public, like you said, propaganda was was astounding to me. The ability to deny the truth, science, is astounding to me. The ability for I call her wretched up in Michigan as an example to to ban, and now I guess they're gonna they're gonna change it a little bit. The banned flavors, uh, New Jersey, New York, uh, Missouri, Montana, where they're, I mean, they're doing state, state by state because, and they don't know the science. They don't even have the right science. They're using the wrong science to begin with on, on the, on the product and on, on the cause. They, they don't even pretend to know. They take the word of the CDC because that's the power that they have, no matter what. And Along with everybody else, you know, Surgeon General is one of my favorite people. Of course, you got you got to probably know that is <laughs> is going. They're going along with it. They're not trying to defend it. They're just saying, well, it's bad. You shouldn't do that. This is this is very bad. It's killing people. Tisk tisk. And then you got parents, understandably so. Brent, I've got kids. If I had little kids that I thought was doing this, I would probably not do it because I'm a little smarter. But in general, you're talking to the public and they're going, oh, this is bad. Little Johnny's going to die. And I get it. I get why they hate it. I get why they PAVE came about to some extent. <laughs> I think there's other reasons for that. But it's, it's, it's across the board. We have to get the mainstream person to say, this is bad. You shouldn't do it. But smoking's okay. That's, that's fine. We'll, we'll leave that alone for now. Find silly. What do you think the the chink in their armor is, if there is one? I haven't found it yet. I don't know. I can only tweet so many hours of a day and uh, ask others to do so, or be inspired by me, or or I get inspired by somebody else sometimes. But there's, I don't think there is an answer other than. What I've said to you, and I'm a consumer, not a, not a business, is if you don't have the local people in your town understanding what's going on and you don't address the concern immediately to your local lawmakers and invite the, the, the uh, not the CDC, the tobacco-free kids, if you have a, a chapter there, that's the word I looked for earlier, if you have a chapter of CDs of uh, tobacco-free kids, if you have uh, American Heart, Lung, or Cancer, the body parts people, invite them to that same meeting and say, "Look, your concerns are children. First of all, we have now 21 and up can purchase this product. It's 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 the arguments that you want to bring to the table that they're going to give you, and you have answers for. 
I don't have all mine on 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 all the answers rather on my site. Um, there are other sites. Dr. Farsalino's sites is great. Um, Vancouver, I think uh, Kelly, I can't think of her last name, has one. Um, there's there's a lot of sources that you can use if you're not in a state group even to to say, look, we talk. We if you want to talk about popcorn lung, we've got that answer. You know, if you want to talk about these things being dangerous, we in, we answer that. Less dangerous than smoking. Period. But if you're not doing it from your local level, you're never going to get those same people who know people at the state level to listen. Mm-hmm. So the, the state and local level, I think at this point is where we're at. I don't know if we're at, at federal or not anymore with the PMTAs. So, so, yeah. So, I mean, you know, when people have asked um, me over the, over the years, certainly when we first started covering the thing, because our show is, you know, it's got the trappings of news and stuff like that. That's where I come from. And, you know, I would get a lot of questions when there would be big things happening that were detrimental to vaping in terms of the public message and, uh, you know, how to fight back on that. And really the only, the only thing that you can say is, you know, you got to fight it locally. And, and, okay. and that's where it has to be. You need to win the battles with the local reporters that are, you know, covering, covering the beat and get them, get them on it. Otherwise, they're just going to de facto go to, you know, the CDC boilerplate on the issue exactly they point they did well they said so so we can't do that we're, we're already done thanks have a nice day and they okay. let you out of your office if you don't have the relationship to begin with if you're not with your your uh, local business groups uh, whatever those are uh, chamber of commerce slash whatever um, then then you're not hobgobbing with the right people to begin with because the people with the the cancer lung and heart associations certainly are they're going to events, they're going to charity, you know, fundraisers, and they know each other by name. You have to know them by name, in my opinion. Mm. So I, I agree with what you've said. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate that. At least I, I'm 90, 90% wrong and 10% right sometimes. Um, now, talking of the body part orgs and so forth, let's focus on them for a second. In your, you mentioned Twitter wars. Um, happening, and I'd like to hear about that. I imagine that some of that is with these body part orgs. Have you, outside of the Twitter war, have you actually ever seen or heard of an opportunity where the enemy has sat down with forces of good, i.e. vaping, and had a chat where there was information exchanged and and respect um, given, or have they never, ever talked to us? Not not to my knowledge. Personally, I have... it's unbelievable it's the same story in canada maybe maybe well you said 90 percent wrong and 10 percent. maybe maybe it has and maybe if there are some industry people they can say yeah we have but uh i personally ohio i can't remember the the twitter uh, thing but what the ohio state or ohio college whichever one it was had something out there um it's part of Mika Berkman, I think, is the Tobacco 21 Twitter line. I've offered him, literally, I will drive to you in Columbus or wherever their office is. Um, the James, the Ohio James Cancer, I think, is what I was thinking of a minute ago. Um, the same same coffee thing. You don't even have to buy me coffee. I'll bring my own. And, and at that time, we'll talk about it. That way, at least I know you are informed. And then if you're still going to make your decision, you're, you're going to still make that decision or you're going to come to a conclusion. But at least I knew that somebody told you. 
So no, I haven't heard of that. Not not to my knowledge. Even even on the federal level, I don't think they have. You know, I'd love to sit down with Matt Myers for five minutes or Jerry. That'd be fun. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? And you know, let me just say that, you know, uh, the, some of the biggest tobacco harm reduction people that you know come from the more of the research side and the policy side. So I'm thinking of the David Sweeners and so forth. I mean, they won't sit down with him either. Right. And Clive. Yeah. I mean, I know I know damn well Clive's been in, in the United States and nobody wants to talk. They're just it's it's this. We don't want to speak to you. It's like your paparazzi. I don't get it. I, d I don't think I'm versed enough to walk into a courtroom without swearing a few times in, in front of the court. And, and that's probably not good. But but if you are. Uh, well-spoken and you can, then do so. If, if that's your, your bag or your ability, um, I'd, I'd probably tend to be hot-headed. Uh, I've seen some testimony that astounded me at, at the way that it was presented by the people that were presenting it. Because um, you can keyboard warrior all day long. If you're standing in front of a mic, and I have in other facets of life and had head speeches and all that, but it's it's not as easy as it looks and to get your point across is is huge. You have to have the point across, and they're only giving you three minutes usually in most of these cases. And in most of these cases, you should have already known the people you're talking to to begin with, so they can take your word as it stands along with the science you're handing them, mm -hmm. instead of them tossing it into the trash. You know, when when you make someone look stupid from the the cancer society, that's a good day, and it's happened. I've seen it happen in testimonies, but. On a personal level, I don't, I don't know that it ever has. I don't know if we've ever had anybody take the call. And on um, Vaping IT, so the Twitter channel, I mean, so how often do you tweet? Like, I mean, how engaged is it? I do follow you, but I'm a horrible Twitter guy. So, and- One, uh, <laughs> one, of, one of my best um, examples of Twitter and how it can work, and it doesn't always work, obviously, was Dr. Glover. And um, I had already done the survey. I tweeted something one day and Alan Beard uh, messaged me on Facebook or Twitter, I don't recall which. Um, and in that process of the Twitter line, somewhere along the lines, I, I happened to be in it. And she saw the survey. She never responded to me specifically, or I don't even think we were engaging her and I ourselves. Um, Alan suddenly says, part of, part of Avers UK, uh, dot, uh, dot org. Um, he said, Kevin, you're, you're in a nicotine symposium. It's like two hours and seven minutes <laughs> in. And, and I, and I was like, what is, what is this witchcraft? So I didn't realize who Dr. Glover was. Um, I kind of looked her up real quick and then I went to the two hour and 17 minute mark. And she, she actually quoted one of the, one of the lines that one of the, people that took the survey said that he could climb mountains again. And I was like, wow, I've gone global, at least wherever that is where Dr. Glover is. I didn't even know where she was yet. It was, it was New Zealand. I, I know now, but I thought, man, that's great. So she was one of those people who said, wait a minute, these people are right. And look what happened in New Zealand. Eventually, at least she changed some minds. She took a lot of crap for it and she still is taking crap wow, what an impact that took. It wasn't because of my survey specifically, but engaging on Twitter 
because I can be nice. Some people don't think I am, but I actually can give you examples of being polite. Right. Um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm normally polite at first and I'm not going to cuss and swear and scream and call you names, but I'm going to give you, Cindy said, I'm, I'm going to show you things that you probably don't know or have never seen. Um, and that's a combination of all the people around me that have shown me those things. The, the nicotine war started in the 80s. The, the Godber blueprint, never heard of it. I had no idea, not a clue. And I'm, I'm reading through this, this uh, rampant anti-smoking uh, paper that, that I put on uh, the web archive uh, site because, because I couldn't find it and I put a PDF on my, on my blog. It's astounding how the pharmaceuticals said, wait a minute, we're gonna, we're gonna make sure that nicotine itself is the enemy and we're gonna produce these products and we're gonna convince people, gaslight, everyone into thinking nicotine itself is the addiction. And it, it just rolled me into the, the rabbit hole further and further and further. So. I've got, and you know, that's one of the great things about, you know, creating a site like you did, and it's similar to RegWatch is that we use it as a resource for ourselves. What, what goes up stuff that we need to make sure that we remember. And if we need to make sure that, you know, we remember it and have access to it, then it goes up on the site. And that includes, you know, some of the bad articles and the junk science and that gets up, yeah. gets up and we push it out. We've taken a lot of heat over that. Um, but you know, it, it, you, but you have to, you have to, I, ha I have to say that my one way street of thinking is not that way today. And I may slip here and there, but, but I always thought this, no matter what, well, now I don't think that so much, even, mm -hmm. even simple stuff like secondhand smoke, I'm questioning it. I always thought no matter what, that's bad. I mean, we can go into another hole while you like, but, but it's a, it's an astounding way of showing, uh, the untruth. <laughs> Well, I know I'm just a bit surprised. I would have expected you to be a little bit more conspiracy theory orientated, you know, and <laughs> and to use the you note. Know, by the way, I, I firmly believe that it does a disservice to vapors to ever use the term conspiracy theory um, because, you know, yeah. what it does is it, it gives credence to the fact that there is such thing as uh, as conspiracy, like in a bad way. So how I describe this is that you had just outlined um, about 10 minutes ago about how at the state level that the states are all coordinated and you can clearly see that like something will happen and all of the associations, all of the body part orgs all across the country will all act in unison. Now, did they all pick up the phone and call each other? You know, where did they, do they have, okay, the next one, we're all doing this. They don't need to do that. They're coordinated through, you know, an ideology, through a movement, through a process of conditioning, through game plans and reactions and documents, yes, that they've got that, you know, here's how we respond to this and that. I mean, these things, they're highly it's professional. Muscle. It's muscle memory, Brent. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's exactly what I was saying with, with regards to CDC and the muscle, exercising the muscle. So what happens is, is that the enemy, right, will say, you're being a conspiracy theorist. And I turn around and go, you're planning. So, if you want to call planning a conspiracy, then I'm a conspiracy theorist. But you're a planner. I know they're planners. You plan. They plan. They plan. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that I reject conspiracy. I I don't like I don't like the term either. Um, I'm a I'm a gun guy. I, I don't talk about it a lot on on Twitter, nor Facebook. Honestly, um, I just am, and that's that. 
and and there's the same crowd in that as well. It it it, it becomes silly sometimes, but the conspiracy word is is an automatic point. They they want to deflect what they're doing, mm-hmm. and we both know we're both smart enough. I'm sure on on this point. All they do is whoever the head is of the email goes click and everybody else goes, guess what we're doing today, Betty? And that's what they do. That's it. They don't, they don't have to work at it. They just click, 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 and they, they tweet it and they send it to their media people and off it will go. That's all they have. They, they don't, I don't think they have to work that hard. May I ask your opinion, seeing that you mentioned that you're a Second Amendment fellow? So am I. Do you think that there is a crossover in the enemy? It's, it's very familiar (laughs) to say the least. I'll use the word familiar. Um, It's, it's a different tactic, but it's very, very similar to me at least. Well, Bloomberg comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, you've got the, I mean, let's look at the, that same, yeah, the, the same push of money is coming from the same guy. I mean, he's got two issues. He's got guns and e-cigarettes. So the enemy is shared there that way for sure. Absolutely. And, and again, <laughs> it's probably the same thing. They do a click and off they go. <laughs> so the secondhand smoke, you brought that up. And when I, I'm going to bring this back to you because I'm surprised okay. you're not further down that rabbit hole. How come? I mean, clearly, the the evidence on secondhand smoke goes all the way back to Glantz. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> I because I don't think it's as important an argument to make right now. I guess, in in my opinion, first of all, I I never realized how evil my dad thought of being told to go outside and smoke until he was long gone. I never realized the discrimination. I hate to use that word but smokers are discriminated against. Um, the secondhand smoke in the Helena, I think is what it is, yep. uh, study. Um, I'm extremely familiar with it, but I don't bring it up a lot because it's 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 a mute point to me at the moment. It's not about vaping itself. So I, I, I don't hide from it. I just tend to say, well, it's not as big a deal to me. Okay, so well, allow, me, allow me to throw this out at you now. I've got up here, and it's been a while. I've gone, I don't even know when the last time I was able to bring this up into a show, uh, but this is Slate magazine, and this is by no means a right-wing or center mag. I mean, Slate's on the progressive left. There's no doubt. And they yeah. came. And Jacob Greer is a great writer who uh, just came out with a fantastic book. We had him on the show in the fall. He wrote this in February of 2017. We used terrible science to justify smoking bans. Will we? Uh, will we look at the new evidence for long enough to at least consider whether we've gone too far? And so this is Helena, Montana, does not often make global headlines, but in 2003, the small capital city became known for briefly achieving one of the most outstanding, astounding public health triumphs ever recorded. In June of the previous year, Helena had implemented a comprehensive smoking ban in its workplaces, bars, restaurants, and casinos. In the first six months of the ban, the rate of heart attacks in the city plummeted in the first six months of the ban. So they ban and already immediately it's having an impact on heart attack rates. In the first six months, the heart attack rate plummeted nearly 60%. Just as remarkable when a judge struck down the smoking ban in November of that year, the rate of heart attacks shot right back up to its previous level, as if heart attacks 
are so acutely directed, <laughs> connected to smoke. So this was the, for, for three anti-smoking advocates, local physicians Richard Sargent and Robert Shepard and activist and researcher Stanton Glantz from the University of California at San Francisco, this sudden drop in heart attacks was proof that smoking bans usher in extraordinary benefits for public health. Quote, this striking finding suggests that protecting people from the toxins and secondhand smoke not only makes life more pleasant, it immediately starts saving lives, said Glantz in a press release sent out by the university. So what Jacob goes in here and, 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 and does is a fantastic job of, you know, really taking apart, uh, apart the science. And that was relying on the British Medical, Medical Journal. The authors had lowered the observed reduction in heart attacks from 60 to 40. Still an impressive figure, but a substantial drop from the claim. So they go through a bunch of revisions with the science. In the end, it's left with uh, basically the science is gutted. Now, that is 10, 15 years after. And the reason why this is important, I bring it up and I throw this out as a point of discussion, is, is that it's only with secondhand smoke that they were able to say that your actions as a smoker harmed others. And only by proving that it harmed others were they then able to take away your individual liberty and take away your smoking. And that also goes for private property rights. So you as a private property owner, you own a bar, you should be allowed to have smokers in there because that's your private property. Patrons are coming in. There's a tacit agreement about what's going on here, but it's because the workers are forced to work there in the secondhand smoke and endangering their health that that justifies the bans and pushing them outdoors. So if it wasn't for Stanton Glantz's malicious research and, and complete propaganda, we wouldn't have lost, we wouldn't have entered into the space of uh, better safe than sorry. Yeah. And it, it it, it's, in the, it's one of the great examples that I do use. It's, it's, in, it's in my files that you can, you can show this because once the law is set, how hard is it to unset it? It's, it's already cast. You can't change it. So if we're fighting as hard as we can, um, although I will use it, he's lied before, you know, that kind of thing. I don't like the word lie specifically. Uh, Joe Gitchell and I go back and forth on that on occasion, but they're flat lying and they got what they wanted. They got public opinion changed and they're not going to remember anything else, including the fact that, that Glantz himself was a liar, who's also quoted as saying, as long as it comes out the way I want it, we'll do it. And if it doesn't, we don't do it or to that effect. I, I don't know the exact quote now. Right. But and then know, I've got, uh, I've got up here his most recent piece of uh, malicious or men mendacity. Puffing stuff. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I mean, you know, I can, I get where you're coming from on that, Kevin, because the fact of the matter is, is that I even feel that to, yeah. in a, in a regular interview to bring up this secondhand smoke issue, you sound like a lunatic. Did you know right. that there is yeah. actually no proof that secondhand smoke is as deadly as they said? What are you talking You're about? Crazy lunatic. You're a <laughs> lunatic. But that's that's the same thing I came across with nicotine. And even within our ranks, if you will, um, I when I did, <laughs> I got to go back to my survey. It was it was an astounding, uh, unlimited field of knowledge that I was grasping. David Dorn in, in the UK, 
uh, he emailed me in the middle of the survey because he said I didn't have a high enough nicotine strength. I didn't realize that nicotine went up higher than 24, I think I had. Um, he's the only person that got me to change anything on that survey. I had uh, 0, 6, 8, 12, 14, 18, 24. And he said, I started, this is an email. He said, I started on 72 and I wish I'd have kept this. I emailed him back after my eyes went back in my head and I'm like, why aren't you dead? What do you mean you're on 72? I don't understand it. I will change the, the survey. And he said, Kevin, you don't understand nicotine. That's your throat hit. And that went another rabbit hole I go down. Um, but I realized in 2014 that the start of my nicotine addiction slash whatever it is or isn't we've been lied to just as, as badly as glance can with secondhand smoke. And I get a lot of people that go, well, what do you mean nicotine's not addictive? Are you a nutcase? So yeah, I get it. It's the same, it's the same exact thing to me, but I bring it up when I can, it's my pin tweet, you know, and if you don't like it, that's fine. But I challenged literally everybody, <laughs> everybody who was anybody got a tweet from that. It's, whether it was individual or in, in, in a group tweet, including Professor Glantz, and none of them have come up with anything yet. Vapors tried, there were a few, but there was some stipulations that had to be met. And I was working with a couple of people, uh, e-cigarette uh, e politics, uh, I can't think of his name at the moment. He, he said, this is what you need to do. He said, and if nothing else, we might find some more stuff that we have never seen. And, and, they, and we did, we found a couple things that we hadn't seen yet. So I know how crazy looks sometimes, but I'm not. It's just what science tells me or doesn't tell me, you know, including the FDA. Right, exactly. Um, and, and just I'm just going to put it on a wide shot here for a second. I, I realize that there is a um, soundbite from our interview with uh, Dr. Derek Yock. From, uh, he's the founder and head of uh, Foundation for a Smoke-Free World. What do you think of that organization, by the way? Let me ask you that while I queue up this bite. I was uh, highly skeptical at first, uh, probably less than most. And then I realized I was doing what others do. And I thought, you know what? If, if science is still science and data is still data or data, whichever you like, then it can be proved or disproved um, and the screen test uh, commenced at that point once once they announced that they were out. I was actually glad to see them. Yeah, and you know, and they suffer from what anybody, I mean, even RegWatch suffers from this, you know, to the extent that we're industry supported. And so we don't get, I, we manage to be immune somewhat to the, the griping, but boy, if you're involved in research or whatever, you better not have any, you know, any whiff of tobacco or vape, but. No. Yeah, no, but you know, the, uh, the taint of uh, federal government funding doesn't seem to be a, uh, an issue. So here's, let me just see if I can get this, um, this, this might be about a 30 second bite. Let me just get people tuned into what to listen for. It's, uh, the cue here is a little loose. But Dr. Yak was sharing a um, story about an interaction he had with Dr. Glantz back in the day when things were just formulating. Kind of thing. So this isn't recent. This is like you know, way back in the day when we used to, you know, uh, talk. <laughs> All right. So just let's uh, let's see what we got here. 
So with research being such a big, important part of your mandate, let's dive in now to the elephant in the room, and that is big tobacco, you know, the funding mechanism for your foundation, because that does limit your ability to work with governments and to attract researchers, I would imagine. And here, of course, is just, we're going to do a couple of examples, but this is the first one. So Derek Yock's journey to the dark side is now complete. From our good uh, friend here, Dr. Stanton Glantz. So, and he's remarking, of course, that you have somehow transitioned from being a good guy to a bad guy um, with uh, this foundation. This is a good, uh, light, maybe lighthearted, I don't know if it's lighthearted enough, but this is an example. Talk to us about the pushback that you've been receiving um, and how that may or may not be damaging your guys' efforts. Yeah, a, a really uh, critical question. And I think first, you know, I, I, I think, you know, and I can understand some of these initial comments. I think what happened with many colleagues, um, including Stan, people at WHO, many of whom I worked with intimately over many years, hired, brought on board into WHO, um, I think they feel a, a sense of betrayal that one of theirs has dared to actually go into the field of harm reduction and take money from the devil, uh, knowing that we had all these inquiries that showed the dark side of what the industry was up to. Um, and um, in fact, it was uh, Stan years ago uh, who I first asked when I was still in South Africa, if I have a choice between hiring an epidemiologist or political scientist, which one would be the most useful to advance tobacco control? And quick as a flash, I remember he said, hire the political scientist. In many ways, that shows uh, he has gone forward, um, which has brought a lot of benefit for general tobacco. And so that is the key thing. Besides some great stuff there, Stanton, Stanton's answer is hire the political scientist, not the epidemiologist. It's, 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 all, it's, all, it's I mean, all about advertising, right? Well, it, it, what, what that says is that, is that he doesn't believe in science. He yeah, says he believes in political science, but not in science. What a great world it would be if we had a lot more Derek Yak. <laughs> so let me just say this, because of course, you know, you know, being an inside show here, and you know, I'm a bit loose today here, you know, feeling good, had a workout, you know, energy level's nice, so that's all good. So let me just yep. say that I've always described uh, Professor Glantz as a bit of an old communist. He's got that old curmudgeon communist thing to him. And no wonder he wants the political, you know, scientist to be right there, uh, you know, you know, interpreting the data. <laughs> as long as you see it my way, we'll all get along. That's it. You know, that's right. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what it is. It's, it's demeaning uh, a smoker or now vapor. Uh, you're not doing as you're told and I don't like it and neither will anyone else. And that's because I said so. And, and they can puff out their chests all they like. They're, they're wrong. And they don't like being told they're wrong. And then they block you. I, I thought when I followed Simon Chapman, I was going to learn something. No, I didn't. <laughs> well, I did, but that's another show. <laughs> but what you, what you learned? Uh, yeah. That he's a bigger idiot than I thought he was. <laughs> and and I, I, really, I really do follow some of these people to actually learn something or, or get, a, get a tidbit from them. It isn't about the snippets and the stupidity. It's that you're going to create something that's untruthful or you're going to tell the, the public the truth. You know, Jerome Adams is one of the best examples of the worst examples we have in the United States. 
of saying he's got a bully pulpit and he doesn't do the right thing. Mm. You know, what is the right thing to him is what he's told to do. Or is, is he really that serious that he doesn't understand it? I think he's full of shit. That's what I think. Well, no, it, it's true. And l allow me to offer that I think that this is the first Surgeon General that clearly is somebody that has been diminished uh, yeah. in terms of stature by, you know, the CDC, I would say, probably owns that position now. And that position does not exist, um, you know, outside and potentially above uh, the other public health agencies it really is diminished role now it's it's diminished and it's a it's a sad thing because i i'm looking for heroes right I, I really am and i and i find that i'm finding them in and through uh dr gilchrist who's mm -hmm. pmi she's pmi for goodness sake i i learn more from her than i do the people that are supposed to be telling the public what we're supposed to know it, it's to make an informed decision I don't care if people smoke. I don't hate the tobacco companies. I, I, I don't understand anything else other than the freedom and liberty to choose by, by knowing what is the truth for, for your situation. If you want to keep smoking, there's my boys. They both smoke. They can do that. They're allowed. They're over 21 now. It's, it's silly to see a public figure in, in that capacity just not I don't even know what to say other than start to cuss. It's the manipulation of the truth is very, very, very harsh. And it's, it's devastating to some, that's all. Well, I agree with that. And let me ask you about this. Now, I'm going to surprise you with the picture here. And I'd like okay. to get your feedback on this. What do you think when you see this today and hearkening back to when you first saw this? Let me, let me move my other screen. Uh, this was obviously last fall, and we were inundated by our mm -hmm. vaping-related lung illness shots of teens lying in hospital beds. I have, I have two, two serious reactions. One is that could be my son. Um, and two, what is, the real, what is the real message behind it? You know, and... Are they fake? I, I always go to that. Is this somebody that's actually had a car accident? You know, because we've found so many times, right? There's, that's the one I think was fake. Um, somebody, somebody besides Kevin is going to find the real truth in these. Some of them have been car accidents or what have you. Uh, lung transplant boy a while back. It was something totally different, I think. Um, I, so I, I, is it, was this like, I mean, I mean, so this was purposeful. I mean, the one thing I'd like to say is that with privacy laws, the way that they are in the U S there, I just can't imagine that there, there'd be all of these, you know, there was like a hundred of these pictures or something like that. And how could they have just all been out and released without this being like, like these hospitals would have had to have had signed releases or they wouldn't even have allowed this. Unless the parents had done it themselves. But or, they're, yeah. I mean, if they're staged, they're staged. I, I can't see that some of them are, but it's, it's propaganda on its own. That that by itself, I wouldn't let a, a my kids do that or my grandson. You wouldn't get a picture of me. No, absolutely not. You know, and if you if you ahead. did, it would be the truth. That's all. It'd be the truth. Oh shit, he was vaping. You know, THC. 
Yeah, I mean, look at this. This one drove, drove me nuts at the time. Teen who was vaping 100 times a day nearly dies from mystery lung illness. You and had I mean, one in, in Canada. You had one that uh, 14-year-old uh, playing soccer, if I remember correctly. Um, they went all over the news for months about, well, not months, but a week or two in the cycle saying that he was vaping. Um, turns out that he had a vaping device and he was vaping evidently, um, but he had no nicotine in his system and, he, and sadly he died. So you're I'm telling me, go ahead. These, these doctors were looking for nicotine in, instead of a stroke. He had a stroke is what happened. I can't think of his name. Um, and it was on the news and they were on a plane and doing all kinds of things. And the parents were angry and, and that isn't what actually happened, but nobody hears that part. So in a way, in a way, would you say, would you agree with the statement that this is kind of like vape porn for the anti-vaping <laughs> forces? It must, it must rub their erogenous zone. <laughs> I'm, I may steal that from you, Brent. I don't I mean, clearly, clearly, you've never, I've never seen anything like this in media ever before. And then we have it in this huge, you know, chunk of four months where it's just this, ooh, vaping, oh, look at all these young people with their, you know, mm -hmm. all these tubes and oh my God, and the fear. And then, you know, during COVID, there's not been a single picture of one patient. Not That's one. That's what I've seen. Not one. They, they had us buy our short hairs because of the valley. And when Leafly put out their 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 statement saying this is it's it's their own industry saying so this is unregulated uh, black market THC uh, whatever the term is I can't tetra or whatever um, the vitamin E acetate rather uh, even they were saying it beforehand and I jumped that bandwagon because in my opinion there's no way it was nicotine to begin with but they kept bringing it up and like you said they were plastering the the news media in our country at least just constantly until covid so your practice theory is correct in my opinion for that that's what they did very good well i i feel um exercised of a little bit of my uh my frustration here so where do we go from here what needs to be done? Because there kind of seems to be two things that, that are always being talked about that we talk about. And that is there's the issue with inside the vaping movement. How does that move forward? Because it does seem that it's not in a, uh, a monolithic you know, voting block. It's not like everybody shares the same political view. So that makes it a bit more difficult to move forward the movement. So let's start there. What are your thoughts on that? I, I don't know that we can uh, do what we did in November when, when you were in DC, by the way, and thank you for coming down. If anybody doesn't know that, Brent, it was there. Um, yeah, and thank you to demand vape and uh, flavor art and all of our mm -hmm. viewers that helped us make that happen. So the, the movement at that point was, uh, we, we were walking into the white house, uh, 10 days later or so. And that was astounding because to my knowledge, no sitting president is going to talk to a bunch of vapors. You know, and and in in that form that they did, um, they had uh, the opposing side, which I appreciated because that just showed what he asked for answers. What what are the solutions? And they were offering what he was offering and changed his mind on. So it uh, hopefully it gave Trump an insight as to what they are 
trying to manipulate. Um, as far as we are concerned, I still say local and then state level. If you're in a, if you're in business, you should be with your, with your, uh, your local chapter of uh, the Chamber of Commerce or Better Business Bureau or whatever it is. I've been in the Better Business Bureau. I, I personally thought it was a waste of money, but it was a good way to network um, in the industry I was in, and it, it can bring other opportunities to introduce yourself to other things. Uh, national level, this is this is not good in my opinion, and I'm going to keep tweeting and yelling and screaming whether it goes or not with PMTA. I hope they change their mind. I hope somebody walks in and says, wait a minute, the Surgeon General and, and Bob at the CDC are lying. Uh, this is a safer alternative. I don't know why we've been avoiding it this long. With COVID in the way, it's, it's literally, your lives are being lost. It's not funny, but it's literally put a damper on anything we're doing. I, I don't know what the answer really is to that. It's uh, hard not to crack. There's no doubt. Um, yeah. Before we finish up with a couple of our last questions, I want to make sure that uh, send people over to support.regulatorwatch.com. That's support.regulatorwatch.com, which is our support microsite. And, um, you know, this is where you uh, give us money. <laughs> and we are not... <laughs> We're not on the left, so it's not like I got a bat or anything like that, you know, or or I don't have goodies to give people. But what we can promise you, though, is that we're going to promote fact-based science. We're going to counter misperceptions around vaping. We're going to destigmatize nicotine, which I think is one of the most critical things that has to happen. And then, of course, yeah. we hold researchers and regulators to account. So consider making a financial contribution to our coverage and join great companies and people that are doing it. Right now, everyone has been hit hard. We're downstream and RegWatch has been holding on through COVID on my credit card and a few other, obviously, um, our supporters that are able to still help. So if you've got it in terms of some resources, please head over to support.regulatorwatch.com. I'll repeat that at the end of the show. Nicotine, obviously a huge issue. Destigmatizing it to me seems to be the answer because, you know, I have a mild nicotine habit and I have a right to it. And as long as the government sells nicotine they're saying it's legal to have it so how come i can't legally have it in a form that is less harmful ask anybody in australia in, in june uh, july 1 um i don't understand why cigarettes can be available and i'm not against them believe me uh but i i can't you can't and our australian friends can't shortly uh by all means if that doesn't change quickly with mr hunt um I find it idiotic, but the nicotine challenge that I did uh, doesn't show me anything dangerous. Um, I'll, I'll accept habit forming. I'll accept the word dependence, but to stigmatize with the word addiction is wrong on a lot of fronts, but, but it's, it's, it's ridiculous. They've, they've been banking on this for a long, long time. I call it a billion dollar global lie. And I, I stand by that till the day I die. It was something that I went, wait a minute, nicotine's not addictive. I'm an idiot because, <laughs> because I was the only one in the room. I talked to myself. And once I, once I really started looking, uh, I, I never got anybody to say it one way or the other, but I can show you examples as to how they've said it without actually saying it from the CDC to the FDA to whoever. Uh, the National Institute for Drug Abuse has a, 
as a second page, is is nicotine the only thing that's addictive in cigarettes or tobacco? I think is what it's worded as, and it's it's not. <laughs> so seven thousand chemicals. You're gonna you're gonna use the word nicotine because it sounds bad or it's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and I mean, and it is clearly something that they had a lot of uh, success with in terms of demonizing um, over the years. Nicotine is um, is it's just I think there's something that's wrapped up in there that's much bigger uh, that and I spoke about it in a show two years ago with a kind of an anti-colonialism aspect. There's a link, I think, somewhere deep down in the recesses of people's brains, especially in the U.S., the Puritans, the progressives of the, you know, the body part folks, you know, that kind yep. of stuff that a one, um, you know, nicotine is tobacco. Tobacco uh, was a North American peace drug. So in a way, yep. the Europeans stole Native Americans' drug of peace and used it and turned it into a drug of war and, and genocide. And so in a way, uh, tobacco is somehow intricately linked. And then, of course, the first slaves that were brought over were brought over for tobacco, not, not cotton. So yep. tobacco is, is inextricably linked with this whole kind of fever that's happening right now. The whole culture now you're just agreeing with that way too easy that made sense <laughs> it's it's been in our culture for how many years thousands probably you know indians did use it and they still do medicinally if that's the right word um yes it I, is. I don't understand I, I never heard anybody say the indians were addicted or whoever else uses tobacco in whatever culture they're in is is an addiction uh it's it's pleasurable uh, if you just change the word from nicotine to caffeine, people's eyes come out of their skulls because, well, caffeine's different. No, it's it's literally the same to me. I like caffeine, and obviously it does something to my brain because I still like it. But when I smoked, I couldn't stop smoking. It was it was chain smoking. And when I when I started vaping, I realized I could go hours without it, I, and I, I didn't crave it the same way. Um, the throat hit is, is huge to me. Uh, the, the memory muscle thing that we were talking about earlier, Fig and I, Fig Ramsey and I, he, he explained to me, we did this how many times a day for how many years? And, and that's also a part of it. But when you get a body parts person coming up to the podium, it becomes an evil enigma of, of, you know, vile puke coming out of their mouth because the children are, are going to be, you know, dying on the streets from this. I don't think so. I started at nine years old smoking and I kind of liked it after the second one, <laughs> you know, it took a couple, but, but yeah, that's not, it's, it's way further out in left field than I ever imagined it would be. And, and the history that it came from is astounding. So totally. So let me, uh, let me just make sure that uh, we get one last question in with regards to very something very specific, and that is the bot issue. So you're <laughs> accused of being a bot and then spawned all of these other people going, I, you know, I'm not a bot, and, you know, Brent Stafford not a bot, or I'm not a bot, I vape, I vote. So what was that? What was that whole bot issue? I, well, they probably got funding from the sales of tobacco to research the people that are saying vaping is better than smoking, and then they called us bots. It ended up in the uh, Energy Energy Commission hearings with uh, Frank Pallone. Um, 
I think it was some tiny little survey and they said, oh, look what we can do. And then Amelia, Amelia Howard, I believe yes. is her last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, she hit on it. She, I don't think was going to tell us at first, Jim McDonald wrote about it or, or Amanda did on, with, with vaping 360. Um, of course I was, <laughs> I was named one of them. Now this is, this is the fourth study I've been in, in some capacity where I've been able to see myself. Um, but they want to obviously point their fingers at us and say, well, they're not real. They're, they're actually putting up bots to say these things. My, my nicotine <laughs> challenge was one of the tweets that they put in that original study. And then they took those away in the actual publication, I believe. But yeah, a, becoming a bot, I don't know if I need my oil changed or not this week. And the idea here, you know, so this was in October. So this is October during a valley. And what really happened here was, is that um, it, this was an attack on the successful communication that the industry was doing. So at the moment that, you know, a lot of people came out and really got behind on Twitter supporting the truth part of this, you know, of the campaign, you know, get out the proper information. All they just did was turn around and said, oh, my God, look, you know, these must be bots, you know, paid for by the tobacco industry. And that's I guess that's their their way of propaganda. And I we just discussed earlier, what can we do as a community? Well, we can't agree on what color the the vape is that I'm using sometimes. So really, we're not a a machine on Twitter. I'm in a couple different groups um, that will make people aware that are in the group of a certain tweet of certain people or sometimes a general tweet, but, um, and we can dogpile on somebody sometimes and sometimes people don't, but it's, it's not a, it's, it's, it's not a well-oiled machine on Twitter by itself. Um, if I tweet something, I'll be damned if you're actually going to retweet me or get involved in anything I'm tweeting necessarily you and I, um, don't do that. If I see something of yours, I'll retweet it normally, but I don't look for it. And I don't think people necessarily look for mine. I make a little more noise because I have a few more followers because of the survey. Um, I went from like 200 followers to like 5,000 in two days. Um, and, and maybe they are, maybe they are bots. I don't know. Um, but, but it's not something that you can say to with a straight face and neither can I that, Everybody on Twitter that's in my following list or that I follow are going to do the same exact thing. None of us, none of us agree on anything. None of us agree on nicotine. None of us agree on smoking. None of us agree on the laws. So, some of us agree on everything, but it's, it's very, very rare. And Jim McDonald is a great example of uh, someone who doesn't really get involved with my tweets necessarily but he obviously pays just enough attention to say, wait a minute, you're wrong. And boy, I hate being wrong. Don't we all, (laughs) but, but he will correct me and I won't do that again, whatever it is, you know, and the instance that it did happen that I recall offhand was, uh, I didn't realize in my fever of (laughs) complaining to somebody in a state that wasn't involved in the MSA, uh, the 46 of 50, 
uh, that she wanted MSA money. <laughs> well, and let me ask you, let me just make sure and mindful of our time here. I want to do, direct into this last yep. question. Um, tell us how pivotal, pivotal the MSA is. Uh, extremely. Um, how so? I think that's, I think that's their driving force. Uh, the budget for the FDA goes up every year for fees, uh, taxes, et cetera. And those in turn pay for junk science uh, funding. And you know, Truth Initiative doesn't get any anymore, but it started them. Um, and in the end, it doesn't have any effect on youth smoking at all, which is it's intended for it, but it's not worded right. It's it's worded as its intent is to reduce youth smoking. So if we're going to go with all out health, it's it's a poorly written contract that both people went, yeah, let's do this. And we're going to have money for a long time. And a lot of people don't know, and I didn't either for quite a while, that it never expires. That's a very dangerous thing. So, but it's supposed to expire in 25 years. It's, you know, it's just coming around the corner. No, it's perpetual. I Explain I really, that, my friend. Perpetual means forever and ever and ever. As long as, and I think I, I think it was Jim McDonald again, uh, one of one of the two parties, the government or the tobacco companies in Florida's, Florida's trying this, I guess. Uh, I don't know which company I've been. Uh, they're going to drop out of it because they sold out to somebody else. Um, so they're physically no longer involved in it. They don't have to pay. Well, if people start dropping out and don't want to pay in one state, this is going to turn the tide to other states. So perpetual meaning it will never expire. There is no expiration date on it. There is no date as far as I know. I haven't looked at it in a while, but this is 1989-92. They started talking about it, I think. Um, 97, they signed it. 98, they took some money. They took bonds, junk bonds at some points, and they'll never pay it back. They'll never pay this money back, ever. Bankruptcy. If tobacco stopped being sold as far as detrimental, I think probably half the states would collapse. That's yeah, that's how critical it is. You know, it's the winner for me. When I'm talking to people that have been poisoned uh, by the mainstream media with regard to vaping, but they listen long enough uh, to for me to get a couple of points in, really the only point that's even worth making is, uh, you, do you remember that master settlement agreement from the late 90s? You know, I'm talking to somebody my age. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, they got a bunch of money, right? And I'm like, yeah. And so all this, you know, billions of dollars went to the states and the states took it and they borrowed against it. They issued bonds and they borrowed against it. So they spent the money and every, all the new money that comes in is going to just, you know, it's a Ponzi scheme, like you say on your it's on your a, site. Thank you. <laughs> it is a Ponzi scheme. It's a Ponzi scheme. less smokers to pay, pay more money for the same thing, which is, you know, buying boats in New Jersey or whatever they do. They don't, they don't, they, they, they built tobacco barns in North Carolina with it. <laughs> so what are you doing? You know? Yeah. So, and it, you'd kind of go, geez, you know, at some point the vaping industry would go, okay, you know, uncle, right. You know, we'll pay the tax, just leave us alone. Right. Like I'm not saying advocating for that, right. but you know, I'm saying, but they would. So it, what's weird though. So knowing that it's about the money, there's something else that's going on here because and my thoughts are this is, and this will ring true with what a lot of other people do say when they talk about big tobacco's involvement with this, but 
there is a portion of this for me that says that uh, that let's just use the Democrats because there's lawmakers involved here, and that's now the that is the party that's behind it. So yeah. let's so let's just say the Democrats look at the landscape and they go, we've already got these six companies, multi-billion-dollar companies under our thumb, right? I mean, we broke them, and so why would we want to deal with eleven thousand retailers? Why do we want to deal with devices coming from China? Why do we want to deal with small company that's, you know, mixing juice over there. Let's just wipe it all out because we can't control them. And, and we already control big tobacco because big tobacco is run by the Democrats to the extent that, you know, they can't do anything without the regulatory approval and all the money's going to the Dems. I mean, if you consider government is the mafia yeah. and you look at the 1990s as the decade of shaking down big tobacco, well, they just don't yeah. want, they don't want their mark touched with. And tobacco's not going to go against it. They're going to, they're going to, they want it just like it is because they can take the teasing and the poking at big tobacco and they'll be the bad guys because that's what they are intended to do. That's, that's, what that's their job. That's their job. That's it. You know, <laughs> I, and, and if you have someone that's always going to hold that flag, Brent, <laughs> then, then Matt Myers is the perfect face for it. Right. Yeah. That's, it's, and he was the guy that was personally involved, at least as far as I can tell, to get it going. That was part of the agreement. Yeah. So, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, there's just a handful of people that are still alive that are responsible for the, all this, including the bad science, the communist yeah. propaganda science coming out of Comrade yeah. Stanton Glantz. <laughs> I, sw I swear he's old school. You watch an 80s movie of a, you know, communist apparatchik, you know, buried inside the bureaucracy scientist guy. That's Stanton Glantz. It is Stanton Glantz. It absolutely is. He's made a lot of money off it. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. One way or the other. He made a career out of it. Yes. Yes. And, and trust me, I mean, he's made money and gained power. And the power is really what, you know, is the most titillating. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a very sick, sick world, and I'm not naive enough to not know that, but... But damn, how long can this go on, you know? I hear and, you. And if you, like you said, if you were going to tell someone something, you're a conspiracy theorist, or you bring these small little pieces into the conversation, you and I kind of have an idea of what we're talking about. But when you have somebody that's fresh, that's a 28-year-old lawmaker, they don't give a shit about the MSA. They don't care, <laughs> they don't care about what my thoughts of a Ponzi scheme are. And they're worried about the children because... Betty over there from the Cancer Society, who she, you know, hopnobs with every weekend at the club, says they're bad. That's the problem. The perception is the problem. Nicotine is the problem in its perception on its own. And then getting us to get along to some extent a little better than we are. For the most part, we are. But wow, what a, what a mess sometimes. Let's just admit that we've ruined a, a whole generation of children. So let's stop. <laughs> Let's just stop. Let's, I mean, they're ruined in every possible way by this, you know, safetyism and, and the coddling culture. So, you know, I'm a little bit more worried and concerned about adults right now than I am about the children. Yeah. yeah. Parenting is an action verb. <laughs> it's an action verb. Very nice. Well, awesome. Okay. So, you know, there is no hope. Uh, it's hard to figure out who to fight, but you're still going to fight. I'm still going to tweet and complain and bitch and moan and groan <laughs> and yell and learn. I hope I keep learning. The more I learn, the more I see, the more I know, you know. Well, if there's, 
if there's anything to be said, I think that, you know, wins can happen when they are least expected. So if people are not engaged in the fight or not looking to crack through some of the internal barriers that the vaping movement has and so forth, then there will never be a win, right? So you can't stop fighting. You have to keep pushing forward. You know, think like an activist. You're, the, the enemy is an activist, right? So you have to think like an activist. And I think, and let me add this, and then I'll hand it to you for the last word, is that, and it's back to the conspiracy theory thing again, and, and I think this is really important for vapors because so much of what we're, we're always saying is always in reaction to, you know, this message that um, is easily transmitted and accepted by the mainstream media, whether it's nicotine, whether it's vaping kills you, whether it, you know, it's harmful for kids, all the different things. And that is to understand that when people use the term conspiracy theory, uh, throwing it at you, what that's also designed to do is it's to make you self-censor your own arguments when you're communicating because you don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist. So that's what makes it so insidious. It's not even the charge that happens at you. It's actually how that ends up changing the way you think, changing how you make an argument. And you basically, you know, you end up self-censoring yourself. What you need to do is you need to realize that the thing that is using conspiracy theory to do that, they're trying to shut down your ability to make your own conclusions, to have to your own conclusion making process. And so when, when that stuff's going out to say a target out there, that's not a part of a particular issue and they're just receiving this information on vaping, they're hearing conspiracy theory all the time, you know, in react, you know, as a response to the reaction, when we come in and want to communicate stuff to them, it's almost up to us to first preface what we're saying by, by letting them know, Hey, look, I want you to know, we're going to outline something here. The first thing in your head might be this word conspiracy. You got to know that word's designed to shut your ability down to come to your own conclusion and feel that like the moment you, you think of that word, you stop concluding, you stop listening, you stop processing because it, it, it's going to be a, it's a conspiracy. So I think we need to get people to understand that conclusion making is a good thing and it's a responsibility of each individual to do that. Yeah, it is. It is. If, if I guess proactive is more my side and style, I, I know the, the evil tweets that I do put out against the Surgeon General are, are highlighted in some people's heads, like conspiracy theory. It's, it's altering your approach if you just see that of Kevin in, in that form and you just think, well, he's just running off at the mouth. And as Cindy said earlier, there, there are some important things that I can just go click post here, read that. Most of them are going to read it because they already have a preconceived notion because they've already been told nicotine's addictive as an example. And that's what they think. They put the wall up just like we do at times. And I've done it. I've been very guilty of it. Um, and if you can get past that as, as a vapor on Twitter um, and not be insulted so easily uh, or, or have your feelings hurt, if you will, then, then you're probably going to get a little further. Dr. Glover was listening to people in the United Kingdom and she changed her mind. Jim McManus is in the United Kingdom, I believe. He changed his mind. He did a blog, I think, in 2015 and he listened. He understood. And then he went forward from there. And so is, is Moea Glover, because um, she's one of the biggest fighters I know 
you know, and, and she took a lot of risk by doing so. So when they get ousted, like you said earlier, um, Dr. Siegel had been ousted by Glantz himself. When, when, if you know the story, basically he said, wait a minute. And they went, oh, out you, out you go. You're not, you're not running, the, you're not towing our line. You got to go. So automatically it's the same kind of way in the, in the vaping world. Well, you don't think what I think, so you're an idiot, you know, and you get written off. I found more valid points by going, Ooh, let me think about that for a second before I react. The reaction is, is the problem most of the time. And at other times I just react. It, it depends upon who it's with more than anything. Well, there you go. Well, reaction is good as long as it's with pitchforks. I think it's a time for the pitchfork. So, Kevin, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a delight and long overdue. We'll have to do it again soon. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me on. I really yeah. do. And and you do you do mean what you say on those graphics on your site that you're looking for science and you're looking for both sides. Uh, I don't. I will admit I don't watch every damn show because I can't. But when I do, I go, wow, that's a great question. You're a great interviewer, in my opinion. I'm, I'm a consumer. This is different. But when you're talking to somebody like Dr. Yak or you're talking to Michelle Minton, you did a while back. Yep. Wow. Because you're giving both sides for the, for the audience, and that's why I appreciate it. That's, that's what I want. I want to hear both sides. Well, so I, appreciate, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate that very much. That's high praise coming from you. And just stay right there for me, Kevin. And that is it for this edition of RegWatch. Before you head off, please go over to support.regulatorwatch.com and consider making a financial contribution to our vaping coverage. It's easy. Just dig into your wallet and find a few dollars and toss them our way. You'll be happy you did. And so will we. And while online, don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and please give us a little bit of a bell ring there on YouTube. God only knows we need to crack Google. And that is it for this episode of Reg Watch. I'm Brent Stafford. Thanks for watching.